Hey everyone, what's up? It's Mandy. And this is Dana. And sorry about that. Um, we are here to discuss Ted Bundy. And the reason we're making this podcast is because the case has already been closed. But we would like input as to what you think were the factors that drove him to be crazy. Was it just his brain or did something very bad happen to him? Okay, so let's talk Ted Theodore Bundy. Yes. Theodore Robert Bundy was born a very, very long time ago. He is now kind of like a children's fable because he is that old in notoriety. <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah, and he's been uh, he's been he's been parodied or he's been uh, homaged. There's plenty of uh, TV serial killers that were modeled after him. Plenty of movie serial killers that are modeled after him. Personally, myself. I think he was a very handsome man, and that's how he got away with so much. And yeah, by his by his own admission too, he uh, banked on his handsomeness to be able to lure people. And his intelligence. He was going. He was in law school. He was brilliant. Yes. Brilliant and handsome. The thing that probably buried him was when he put himself uh, as his own defender in court, because then that made people hate him so much worse. But it seemed like. This was a deep-seated brain problem because nobody in their right mind would go in front of people, people's family that they had murdered savagely, like and really grotesquely murdered, uh, and just ask questions about it casually. Yeah, put yourself in that position even momentarily, and it was a it's a wild notion to be like there's all this circumstantial and compounded evidence against me and now I'm going to try to explain my way out of it legally and defend myself. There was that famous there was a famous um interview with the police and the news reporters where he was like I'll plead innocent right now and he holds his hand up and it's really creepy if you look in his eyes. Yeah. Very it, creepy. It's it got the Charlie Manson esque eyes. You can find this video on YouTube. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You can see there's a there's a a very unsettled look in his eyes. But the thing, the reason we are making these podcasts is for feedback. I know we get, we've gotten some bad feedback, right? We've gotten some bad feedback. We've gotten some dislikes and some negative comments. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about, have we had another negative comment? Yeah, on, 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 our, on our Chris Watts video. Oh. About blathering on and on. And oh, oh, yeah, that we must one. must have nothing oh. better to do. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, whatever. Um, no, um, we're just trying to see if anyone else feels like this person was deeply hurt in some way in the beginning. And I am, we're, we're not psychologists, we're not psychiatrists. So we just want to know if anyone else thinks, like, maybe he was very badly wounded as a child. And there's evidence to prove that. Yeah. His mother would sleep with several men while in the same room with him when he was a child and this is proven yeah he had a very he had a very broken childhood mm -hmm. so what what uh what, what mandy's trying to say is what we really want to do with this and any of our subsequent podcasts and previous is open a conversation on the topic we we do want comments we want you to talk with us about it let us know what you think yeah you don't have to be mean or anything it's just we're not trying to be mean we're just trying to open up like, just questions we think about. I mean, maybe you guys don't think about the same questions we do, but 
it shouldn't make you be mean to us. I don't know. I don't care if you're mean. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Ted Bundy was a mean person. Let's get that straight. He was a mean man. Yeah, he was a dark individual. Indeed. He, uh... Recently, I saw um, an interview on YouTube with one of his victims that actually survived, and he was nasty. Which one? It was the girl that got away. She went with him in his car, and, like, he bashed her. He, like, suffocated her, and then he revived her, and then did it again and again and again until he thought, he's like, all right, I'm done. Like, a piece of trash, kind of. I've had my fun with this human body. Yeah. And threw her away. So. Several of his victims survived. Not several. Didn't they? No, no. I thought thought two or three. There were, like, two or three. But there were, what he claimed, he took it to his grave because he was that nasty of a person. Um. He took to his grave how many people he thought he had killed. And I'm sure he kept record of it. If you do something that evil, oh, yeah. wouldn't you keep track? People are collectors. He would have kept, he definitely would have kept some kind of a record of that. Guaranteed. But, um, yeah, so, as you say, yeah, <clears throat> all of his crimes were never proved. There was lots of circumstantial evidence to uh, connect him to a lot of, a lot of murders and a lot of, of discovered bodies, but there wasn't enough solid evidence to convict him of everything, uh, barring his own admission, which he wouldn't give. The only... Okay, so what I'm bringing up is going to be the things he did were probably the most vicious and terrible things anyone could experience. The people who did survive him have suffered their entire life through. Yeah, there's a case of a woman who he, he broke into her apartment at night uh, actually removed an, an iron bar from her bed frame, beat her with it, assaulted her with it. I'm pretty sure that was the one that was the ballerina. That she survived. She survived, but she, she sorry, she survived, but she could not. She's mentally retarded for the rest yeah, of her life. Well, not no, I don't think that's yeah. Really, I just read it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She she suffered uh, severe internal injuries. Uh, she was in a coma for a while, and then she was mentally handicapped for the rest of her life. So, going into the spooky part, let's go to the spooky part. All you right, want to hear spook- a spooky story? Let's do some spooky stuff. All right. So, in the summer of 2016, I went to Seattle. And, sorry about that noise. Um, I went to Bundy, what they call Bundy Beach. And I guess a lot of people do not go there anymore because when I went there, it was the dead of summer and nobody was there except for the concession, the the concession stand dude with all his little like hot dogs and trinkets and stuff. And, but the weirdest song was playing and it was, I got my mind set on you. Is that the name of the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Harrison. I got my mind set set on you. you. And that's the same beach Right on the same beach where he took two girls in one day. So that was really creepy. Really, really creepy. Like, and uh, then I, I found a few things that would say where he uh, dumped a few people. And not. I was just curious to see if that was still accessible. And a lot of people were still hiking that trail. So I, I thought, like, I'm not doing anything wrong or anything being weird. Now in retrospect i think maybe that was kind of weird but 
we I think I found like one of the sites. Maybe weird. I think it's personally I think it's pretty cool, but but the air was kind of like crackling and there was no one around except for two other people that had left. It was just very strange that Lake Sammamish was empty in the dead of summer. Nobody except for me and the person I was hiking with. Very odd, don't you think? Yeah, for it to be a, a hot summer day and, and, and then you uh you uh, said that the air was crackling, and whenever you talk to any uh, ghost hunters or supernatural hunters, they say that that crackling feeling is usually an indication of supernatural activity. That's where his ashes were spreaded as well. Spreaded. Spread. Spread. Um, but I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I hope no one thinks me as like some kind of weirdo looky-loo kind of person i just wanted to go where it happened and see if they actually like cleaned up anything and i actually don't think they cleaned up any of the crime scenes very well no Mm -mm. what would what would make you think that one of the dump sites still had everything in it like i've seen pictures of the dump site one of the dump sites and the old bath it was a place where people would just dump garbage you know everyone in the Mm -hmm. country does that yeah sure and none of it was cleaned up. It looked the same as as as, as you had the picture, seen? yeah, back in the seventies. So <laughs> well, but also um, another thing weird I did. So don't judge me, please. But you can whatever, do whatever you want. I don't care. Um, I went into the men's bathroom at Lake Sammamish, and there was a rat floating in the men's toilet. Because there was no one around. There was actually nobody else there. Keep in mind, nobody was at the beach that day, so wandering into the men's room. I mean, I've wandered into the ladies' room from time to time. When the men's oh. room was occupied. When you were wearing a skirt? Yeah, sure. When I was cross-dressing at Lake Sammamish. Um, I don't know. It just felt very strange. That is strange. So, got my mind set on you uh, is, on, is on the overhead speakers. And there's a dead rat in the toilet and crackling in the air. And it's just a nobody else is there but you. Nobody. And you're hiking. And that is so weird for a beach on a lake in Washington in summer. That is, it was a perfect day. It was a little overcast, I guess. What do you make of it? I don't know. I don't know what there is to make of it. You were supposed to be there, obviously. Then we went to Dante's, which was supposedly the place he abducted a girl his favorite hanging spot bar dante's bar yeah and i went into that bathroom too no one was in there either it was like everyone just cleared out for me to be around and just you had a personal bundy tour that day sort of it was horrible and now my heart hurts so you can keep talking i gotta go to the bathroom okay i'll I'll keep I, i don't even know what to talk much about But we're talking about Bundy, and I know we're going to get to the point of uh, where he was uh, executed. So we're going to talk more about that. But uh, something that Amanda and I have uh, talked about often in the case of Bundy is um, what it meant for him to be a serial murderer, what it meant for him to kill, what, what happens to a person to make them say, I did this once and it wasn't it wasn't bad, or I did this once and I actually really enjoyed this, I think I want to do this again, or is enjoyed even the right word. But something triggers in their psyche after a murder, after their first kill, that makes them say to themselves, 
I think I want to keep doing this. I think I want to make this a part of who I am. I think I want to participate in this as part of my life. So um, what what makes a person cross that line? What makes that happen? What What is in that first moment, that first murder, that makes that person desire to do that for I the have, rest of their life? Oh, I have two ideas. I think it's either psychosis in your brain, just a chemical imbalance, because I've experienced that, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, just feeling not, like, interacting with anyone. See, he just took it to the other extreme is what I think. Like, in my mind, I don't like people, so I avoid them. But he doesn't like people, so he wanted to kill them. Yeah, he wanted to be in there and take them out kind of a thing. You and I had a really interesting discussion about, what was what did you say, a month ago, where you even considered whether or not there was similarities between sim- serial murder and Tourette's syndrome. I do, actually. Yeah, think I, I think this is a really interesting conversation. And not, let's, let's just make it clear, neither of us are scientists or doctors at all. Nope. Not one bit. He's an English teacher, and I am a vintage clothing dealer, so no way are we in any way qualified to say this, but we're just theorizing, I guess. Theories. Can we go smoke? Let's go. Yeah, the we'll, fun with us. Oh, we're going. So we're gonna we're gonna go smoke a cigarette together and continue talking about Ted Bundy. And the dog's gonna go eight nuts. The dog's gonna come with us. We have a crazy little dog named Quincy, who is a troubled soul, but we love him to death. So so the idea was, you know, uh, uh, somebody with Tourette's cannot control somebody with. Uh, Oh, our neighbor is outside chopping wood. But so the idea is that somebody with Tourette syndrome. <laughs> cannot cannot control their impulses. Somebody it's with like someone who's like sawing wood cannot stop. They just can't yeah, you, once you start that cut you can't go you can't stop until it's done. Kinda kinda like when a man goes to the bathroom, once the water works are on you can't pinch it off. But a person with Ew. <laughs> With a person with Tourette's, when has impulses they cannot control, so they're not they're not swearing at you or they're not swearing because of anything. Right. Yeah, they're just this is something that's triggered in their mind and they got to do it. Like I remember, some lady Quincy, some lady had a Tourette syndrome. Oh my God, this is the worst podcast ever. It's not. They're living with us. <laughs> Thanks for coming along on our daily journey. So there was this one lady who couldn't stop saying Thundercats, but if she said it to me, I wouldn't think she was aiming it toward me. Yeah. Thundercats! Thundercats. <laughs> what are Thundercats? Thundercats was a cartoon that was very popular way back when I was a kid, which was, as you would say, 50 years ago. Come on. Come on, doggies. Yeah, and I, I, I've seen... Uh, you sent me a very uh, interesting uh, YouTube video once about uh, the uh, the Scottish those Scottish Tourette guys and their special camp and the, the three guys that were living together with Tourettes because they couldn't live anywhere else and yeah. I remember seeing so anyway the the comparison that Amanda was making in our conversation which I have to uh, admit that I came to agree with is that serial murder is similar to Tourette syndrome that once once the person gets the impulse. 
they they have to go through with it. Once they get it lodged into their mind, they have to complete it. It's like like starting to bite into something. They can't stop until that bite is done. Once they, to use Amanda's reference, once they have their mind set on you, they can't rest until they've completed that I think, um, action. And another reason I think I don't... Okay, this brings into place the death penalty. So that's what, I don't believe in the death penalty. That's what ultimately happened to Ted. I believe in God and his divine providence who would kill someone who needed to be stopped if they so needed to be, which makes me sound a little bit silly when you think about all those people he murdered. But... Not really. This, this is a deeper... This is, a, this is another conversation yeah, we had. this is a whole other conversation. But, um, yeah, so not, you know, not only do we believe that uh, serial murders like Tourette's, but we also believe that serial murderers are possibly doing what they're supposed to do. Even though they're evil, we're not saying they're good. <clears throat> but it brings in, yeah, so what happened to Ted ultimately is he got the death penalty. In fact, he got three death sentences and two court cases, so it was inevitable that he was going to be executed. What I want to say is that quote from that that movie, Exorcism of Emily Rose. If, I think God works through these evil people. He can't, like, he gave us free will, and you know... Religion is going to be a big thing, and people are not going to like our opinions. That's okay. Um, if I can show people the devil, then they can't deny there's a God. Yeah. So. I think that's a very powerful statement. What you're saying in Ted Bundy is that he was, uh, he wasn't the devil, but he showed us the devil in his actions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and through that, you can't say that there's not a God. And you can't say that that uh, there is no good or bad because that what he did was all bad, all of it. Yeah, it was all bad. Except, like that's another weird thing. Sorry. Hey, boys. They're chasing the cat. Nope. Um. Another thing, though, which is very compounded about Ted was. He worked for the suicide hotline, which is very strange to me. Very odd. You think so? Uh, did uh, did he? Ever... Now I'm gonna I'm gonna show my cards here. I don't know that much about Ted Bundy's deeper personal life. Did he ever use the suicide hotline as an in? Did he ever go and seek any of those no. people's victims? No. Uh uh-uh, uh. No, he helped them. Also, he used to walk his coworker from the suicide hotline to her car, Anne Rice, who ended up writing a book about him. The murderer beside me or something like that. Sure. And he used to walk her to her car saying, like, you got to be careful. So, so there's... So, what in the world? There was a switch in his brain. There was just a switch. Somewhere. In there. This, this even lends a little more credence to your uh, Tourette's concept, you know, because he was able to function normally. I mean, if he was a suicide operator, suicide hotline operator, and he, and he helped this woman to her car every night. That um, that's fairly normal. Yeah, and he had these these, bou- these weird boundaries. I wonder what his boundaries were. Like, I won't kill her, even though she's in the dark in the night on her way to her car. 
I don't want her. But he did tend to go after the same type of person. It was always a dark-haired girl. He had a type, even though he didn't... He didn't go after them all the same way, but he definitely had a type. Yeah, he liked the dark-haired girls with their hair parted to one side. And it. they say, but he never said it. 